Welcome to the CCUPC Cutting Room Floor, where we try to connect Sunday to the weekday. I'm Pastor James. And I'm Pastor Dina. And this week, we are taking a deeper dive into Romans 8 and the end of our program year. Uh, So, yeah, yay, we made it. Uh, This, and and I made it. This was my first first, uh, program year here at CCUPC, and so I'm I'm glad to have survived. Uh, This week (laughs) was a combination of summing up and talking about the text itself, um, and so Romans 8 is um, a kind of a titan of a passage. Uh, you said it, Pastor Dina, that the narrative lectionary really pulls no punches. And so we got just, I mean, this is, it was uh, Romans eight fourteen through the end of the chapter. And it was just, I would never, ever recommend preaching that as, as, a, as a single text. Yeah. Never, never. So... Um, but it was it was the summing up of our year, um, starting way back in Genesis and talking about Noah and and, and uh, moving all the way through um, Ruth. Uh, you preached on on Ruth, was it Esther? Esther, that's right, Esther. And then uh, going through some of the Old Testament and then coming through the Gospel of Matthew. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, lots of thoughts here, lots of of uh, pre podcast discussion, but. You know, when we're talking about this, uh, you know, the the kind of the key ideas that I had there were talking about uh, radical dependence leading to radical transformation, reframing of suffering, peace. Uh, What were some of the the highlights that came out of that, even if it's not on on target to to uh, to what I was looking at? Well, as we talk about finding radical peace and we talk about reframing suffering, so much of that has to happen as we take stock of where we are and where we've been and where we've come. And I think to me, this is a season of doing that as a school year ends, you know, all over social media, we see, you know, first day, last day posts. And, you know, these kids that you live with or you see every week or every day, you don't notice how much they've grown and changed until you look at the pictures side by side, or we just had a birthday of one of my kids so same thing like oh my gosh I didn't realize how much had changed in a year and so I think we have certain times that 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 feels more natural like to me you know the end of a school year the beginning of a school year new year's resolution kind of things and and sometimes I think even Lent the beginning of Lent can be a time of of reflection and and taking stock and saying where was I and where am I now? And what has changed? How have I become more peaceful, more dependent on God, more at peace with where things are? And and where do I still have work to do? Because you did a good job on Sunday of saying we're never going to get there. As we talk about fruits of the Spirit, as we talk about being, being more Christ-like, we can never check something off. You know, You can always be more patient. You can always show more kindness. You can always show more humility. No, I'm as humble as it gets. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. All right. <laughs> um, that that there's always God is always calling us forward in these things in these ways that we're growing and and I think the same is true as we think about suffering and we think about the challenges we've faced and and it's good and helpful to say where where am i in the midst of that where am i now that i'm on the other side of that where where is my faith and where is it easy to cling to god and that radical peace 
that comes through Jesus. And, and if we're honest, you know, where am I still struggling? Where am I still struggling to make sense? Not in a, like, oh, I completely understand it, but to, to come to terms with it, to, to, um, to do the work of understanding and resolving things in our head and our heart. Um, we talked a bit because when we don't, you know, sometimes I think it surprises us when we're in a situation and we think, oh, wait, I guess that's still bothering me. And that's why all of a sudden, whenever I'm with this person or in this situation or, or experience this, why I have a knot in my stomach or um, why I'm tense from head to toe or why I can't, why my interactions with this person feel so strained, even if outwardly no one else would notice but in my heart they still feel strained like oh I guess I haven't resolved that yet I haven't given that up yet to to God and and allowed God to make to to provide that radical peace in that area Um, and those are hard questions to ask and to think about it takes it takes a lot of self-control i guess to really be honest with ourselves um yeah the the psychological term self-differentiation yeah um it, it and it does it take it, and it takes some in, intestinal fortitude to be yeah. able to to stomach you know looking at ourselves and saying okay uh here's where i was in september of 22 am i happy with the state of my soul mm-hmm. in june of 23 is this where I pictured my soul being in the, in the, in the, you know, June 1st, 2023? Yeah. Um, because that's, I would think that that's going to be a mixed bag no matter what. I have never had a moment like that where I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm exactly where I thought I would be. Yeah. Yeah. And I think for some, for many, it, it's a question of, have I ever even considered where I was and when I, where I want to be, or is this has, has church has a life of faith has participation in, in the life of the church just become so routine and so ordinary that I haven't even given stock to how my spirit is resonating with all this. You know, do I feel like, well, I came to worship. I, served at this work day and I gave my offering so I'm doing okay or or ha- you know it's easy to again reduce our Christian faith to those behaviors and not do the hard work of really thinking about where our soul is where there's work to do and and I think too not in a worst case scenario but thinking about what is to come? Like, what if, what if the worst thing I can think of happens? How would I, how would I make it through that with a faith still intact? Um, Well, and I think there's a very real struggle uh, of people when, if they do go through something difficult and, and looking back and saying, did my faith have a meaningful impact? I'm doing these behaviors. Has it had a meaningful impact? Mm Mm-hmm on where I am. And, and I think that's one of the areas where, you know, this passage speaks in 
to the way we have been discipling people and our understanding of the faith. Because if, if we go through difficult times, you know, some of that reframing is, is bringing our faith to bear on a situation saying the present set of circumstances are not our ultimate reality. Mm-hmm. Um, there is something that we can actually pull back and look from a different vantage point. Um, and, that, and I think that's why Paul is so emphatic about the fact that, you know, there, there's nothing in all the world. And you highlighted the fact that he talks about the physical, he talks about the, the spiritual, he kind of talks about the emotional too. I'm, I'm glancing down here. Um, yeah, well, you have the natural with height and depth or the, the spatial. Yeah. Um, and, and he is so emphatic and brings just his full being to bear on this. Um, and, and it raises the question, uh, you know, for those of us in, in church leadership, you know, are we, are we giving the whole gospel that, that says this so boldly and offers, offers, um, relief for our souls in the worst of times, or are we offering fire insurance Mm -hmm. that has no practical application to our day-to-day lives? And, And, what we see here is that the gospel is should be reframing just everything as we go. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, we, we often use the phrase fake it till you make it. And I do think sometimes in the midst of suffering, that is where the most we can do. But, you know, as we, as we take stock, as we do the work of examining we at least have to admit that to ourselves. Like, God, I'm not sure where you are, but I'm going to keep praying and I'm going to keep worshiping and I'm going to keep doing these things because I know that a different, a different time, a different stage is coming. You know, we talked too about so often in, in therapy kind of conversations, we talk about how there's a beginning, a middle and an end to everything. And part of that introspection is is knowing that this won't always hurt this bad. This won't always be this hard. That someday I'm going to look back and say, I came through that. I survived that. I made it through. It will have ended. The pain won't always be as, an, as acute as mm. it is right now. And yet we still as Christians have a final end in mind where not only will we be able to look back and say, well, I made it through. That's all, you know, that's, that's all I can say is I made it through. But someday as, as we have that beautiful picture from revelation, as we think about what eternal life in the very presence of God is going to be like, it will redeem all those things that, that, that not only will it not, hurt is bad but it won't won't matter and and that that's a hard in this life that is hard to wrap our brains around we've mm-hmm. we've talked about suffering and and many of the suffering things that we suffer through many of the things that we endured don't don't end you know that that person that loved one that we buried is not coming back we will always have to live with that loss knowing that we will survive that loss and it won't always as acute as it is right now but but it's still a part of us and so to think of a time when when all that will be redeemed 
is is the radical peace that you talked about the this sense that it doesn't make sense and i don't necessarily feel it right now but i know that this is coming in in some way that is going to blow my mind there are a couple things that i think we could unpack in what you just said there um one of which uh, being that you, you talk about the fact that it's it's difficult in the moment and it's painful. Um, and the image that I got was actually of middle school. Um, <laughs> and the, the fact that, it, you know, middle schoolers are distinctly aware of the fact that growth is painful. Yeah. Um, and awkward and just, blah. Yeah. It, um, and so... I'm sure when you said middle school, everyone listening went, because that's kind of... <laughs> Press stop. Press yeah. stop. <laughs> That's just how it um, is. No, but the the fact that um, you know, it, it, Paul talks about the fact that that um, uh, those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. And and who are we to think that we could get through being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ with no pain? Yeah, because He certainly didn't. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but as well, like. Uh, there is no such, I mean, no gym instructor, no personal trainer is going to be like, yeah, this is going to be pain-free. Yeah, this is easy. I mean, people have made millions of dollars selling easy ways to lose weight or get fit or even get organized or make tons of money. And in the end, they all fizzle out. None of them have the lasting effect that that hard work and discipline and struggle and loss and choices and sacrifice all do. Even Marie Kondo has abandoned Marie Kondoing. So it's amazing what a toddler or two will do to your organization. Exactly. And so that, that was one thing that I thought about is the fact that we should never expect because we are such a pain averse society. And so often we, we limit that to, that you know the few hours that jesus spent being tried and flogged and on the cross like when we think about jesus's suffering we think about that but really his whole ministry was marked with with suffering with questions with kind of pleading with god we see it most clearly in the prayer in the garden but saying like oh god if there's any other way now would be a great time to to let me know he's still faithful and he still says this is the way you have set out for me. And so this is what I'm going to do, even though I don't really want to. Yeah. And it, not only that, but the brokenness of the world. Oh, Jerusalem, how I wish I could just gather you up. Yeah. I mean, it, the, the crying at Lazarus's death. I mean, he, he was, he must have felt the pain of this world acutely in himself in a way that I don't even know that we have a comparison. No. Um, but he saw it and he felt it and he, he wept for this world. Yeah. Yeah. His suffering was so much more than Holy Week that, that his whole ministry, I mean, even we were joking before about the only time we really see Jesus in the synagogue being faithful to the traditions of the day was when he was 12. And even that, that you sense the frustration that when people say, where were you? We didn't know where you were. And he's in my father's house. Like even then there's that. You should have known that. Yeah. There's that sense of longing for the world to come, for the peace to come and the, the reframing that 
is coming that he, of course, knew in ways that we still don't even fully grasp, you know, being the, the son of God will do that. But yeah. um, that I think as we talk about being more Christ-like, as we talk about suffering, it is important to remember that our suffering isn't limited to death or to the terminal diagnosis or to the catastrophe that that even as our hearts reckon with the fact that this world is not the way we want it to be there's there's suffering in that there's dissatisfaction in that too yes and 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 i think one of the so you'd ask the questions what do you do with the suffering then Mm -hmm. and and i think this is where paul and 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 jesus uh, this this passage in Paul and then what we've just talked about with Jesus is really important because Jesus never, he, he never recoiled from the suffering. Mm-hmm. He, he was, he was in this world. He never was like, you know what guys, this is more than I thought I'm going to check yeah, out. I'm out. Um, but he, 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 and he didn't get overwhelmed by it. Really? If he was going to do that, it would have happened when he was being tempted. I mean, he had every opportunity to, to tap out and say, yep, I'll just turn those stones into bread or I'll, you know, correct. I, that all of this is mine and I can prove it. That. Yeah. Um, but he, he doesn't, he accepts, he, he doesn't worry about the future suffering, uh, except in the garden where mm-hmm. I, yeah, I get it. Yeah. He, he was on, he was on death's doorstep right there. Um, and, and saying, Ooh, I, Ooh, really? Yeah. Um, and, and we get that. But otherwise, he accepted, he accepted this world as it came. Mm-hmm. He didn't overblow the issues. He didn't make mountains out of molehills. But by the same time, he didn't minimize the pain of this world as well. And he didn't look for it, and he didn't dismiss it. He received it as it came. He processed it always in relationship with the Father, it's why we see him stealing off so many times. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and he was willing to hold that in light of eternity as well. And I think that's maybe the pattern that we've got to, to, we've got to look towards is receiving the suffering that we have in the moment while still hanging on to eternity harder. And so we can hold these things, the things of this world more loosely and more, um, you know, more gently and, and, and be able to be sad and be happy yeah, and, and feel the full spectrum of human emotion while understanding that it, it is nothing compared to what's going to be revealed yeah. on the day of Christ. And that goes back to a couple podcasts ago when we, we talked about suffering. I think it is tempting to say, well, if I'm going to hold this, then I can't hold that. If I'm going to hold on to peace and hope, then I can't be sad about that. And again, we do ourselves a disservice when we when we wrap platitudes around things, when we try to jump right to the the lesson involved or the um, the fruit that comes out of something. And again, in big and small ways, as we approach end of school year and graduation season, we think of the things that we had hoped for, for this academic year, for the people in our lives. We think of graduates who 
who may not have gotten into their top choice of college. And and we can celebrate that they still got accepted to three more colleges and they had a great have have some great prospects and still lament with them that that this door that they thought was where God was leading has slammed shut. And and we can do it in a way that doesn't make light of it. Well, when God closes the door, God opens a window. Well, you know, it stinks that that door is closed. It stinks that, that this thing you had hoped for isn't going to be. And, and it's okay for you to be sad about that, even while knowing that tremendous things await for you through this other door or through this window or in the in ways that you can't, that you're not yet ready to make sense of. And, and God is with you in, in both of those things. Yes. Yeah, sorry. I, I was actually looking up because one of the questions that, that then arise, you know, what do I do with this? And um, Paul actually talks about that. And this is one of the things that got cut is uh, I didn't go into the fact that the, um, the, the intercession of the spirit then in those moments, like, I, I don't know how to hold all this together. Mm-hmm. And what Paul says is, well, you don't have to hold this all together. Um, he's the one that, that says, you know, um, the spirit in verse 26 there, the spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what we ought to pray for. So the spirit himself grown intercedes for us through wordless groans. I mean, the, the, it kind of a, you know, we're not very, we're not the Pentecostal movement, um, in our tradition, but we are, but here is the Holy spirit coming and praying for us in our weakness and knowing that that is, you know, we're not left alone, even in prayer. Yeah. And I know, I mean, I've been in places where I think like, I don't even know how to pray about this. I don't even have the words to express the depth of my sadness and the, the way that I know that promise, the promise of God and how they intersect. And I can't, I can't find ways to express that. And what peace there is in just saying, God, you know, you know, my heart, you know, where I'm struggling, you know, where I'm still clinging to you. And so somehow I feel your spirit in the midst of this. And I trust that your spirit is going to guide me and, and, and heal me and help me to move forward from this place. To, to even pray, Holy Spirit, I don't know what to do here. Yeah. Help me. Um, which is, is not something that, that, uh, it gets taught very much. I, I don't think, not at least in our tradition. No, because so often our prayers are, so prescriptive god heal them god help them to be mm-hmm. to get into this college god help them not to be bullied you know we we tell god exactly what we want we want and what we think ought to happen and and those aren't bad things i mean again it i've said before it's not as if god is surprised by our longings and our <laughs> desires you know like, wait you were thinking that yeah wait you wanted them to be healed what didn't think that strange that that so often we we assume God is only listening when we fold our hands and bow our heads or maybe hit our knees and say 
dear God, okay, here, you know, here's my thought. But I think to really cultivate a relationship with Christ, we remember that, that, you know, we go to verses like, you know, pray always, pray continually, you know, there should never, and, and again, this is part of that introspection and working to a place where, mm-hmm. where I always feel where we could, I'm not saying I always do, where, where we always feel that connection with God, where we can assume when we can know that God is, is in our hearts and, and knows our desires and knows us so intimately the way that a, a partner or a spouse or a best friend or a sibling does that, that, you know, when these people that love us so much, you know, they can tell by our body language, by our face, by the way we hold ourselves, like, you know, what's, what's bothering you? What's up? What's upsetting you? Are you, you know, are you even, even with our kids, like, are you sad about the last day of school or, you know, whatever it is that, that that's the way God wants to know us. And, and that should be the desire of our hearts instead of, as you said, just the, the eternal life salvation checkbox that, you know, you had said something the other day, like if you don't want communion with God now, why would you want that for all eternity? Yeah. that And that's, you know, that's kind of one of those barometers that tell us like if, if, there's sure there's difficulty in cultivating any relationship. Yeah. But if we're just not interested at all, why is it that we we would want to spend eternity in communion with God? I mean, or is it that we're just hoping that, that eternity will be an eternity of me getting to do what I want? Yeah. Or, or minimum, uh, an eternity of not torment, you know? Right. Yeah, exactly. It's better than the alternative. Yeah. Um, (laughs) the other couple of Sundays ago, in worship, what did the one little girl, you know, the other place, the other place, <laughs> the other place. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it, and so that's, you know, that's, that's why we want to cultivate that relationship because we actually have an interest in, in God. And that goes to, uh, for God's self. Um, and that's the kind of what, um, you know, the, the story of the prodigals gets into too. both sons. We, we've mm-hmm. talked about this. Both sons had no interest in the father. At least the younger son had the the guts to say, "Hey, I wish you were dead. Can I just have the money?" Yeah, that's all I really want is the reward that's coming at the end. Yeah, and the older son did it by being very, very good mm-hmm. and saying the right things and being a good uh, a, a, a good Jewish son and uh, doing all the things that he's supposed to. And then when the father so- shows grace and love and compassion, he's like, "Wait a second, I didn't get anything," mm-hmm. and father's going you you had everything yeah but it just shows that neither one of them wanted the father and that's the thing that's what we're getting to is that that um we should want the father not just the father's stuff yeah like and again it's such a journey it's not it, it takes work it takes thought it takes intentionality it takes Admitting like, hmm, you know, God, my, my prayers in the last, you know, two weeks have just been a grocery list of things I'd like you to do. Or two months or two or years. Two, yeah. And, and to be honest about that. Yeah. And again, not that there's not a space for that, for, for communicating. I mean, we tell, 
the people we love, what we want, what, what we want them to do, how, you know, how we want them to treat us. Um, but I guess what I'm saying is it, if you find yourself not there yet, you're in good company. Cause again, yeah. I, that's not something it is easy to slip into the idea that if I just work hard enough, God will love me. Or if I work hard enough, everything will go the way I want it to. It is easy to, to slip into, phew, I know I'm saved. I know grace exists. So I'm just going to keep doing the things that I always do in the way we talked about last week that, you know, Paul wasn't writing about these things to introduce them. He was writing about them because that was, that's, that was the reality. That's part of our natural inclination. Yeah. Like that, that was the reality of the day and it's still the reality now. Yeah. And that's, I mean, in, in kind of the, the, the sticking points is that, that question of, do we believe that God is actually for us? Yeah. Because that, our answer to that question has massive implications for how we live our lives. Whether we live in anxiety, in fear, or whether we say, boy, I hope God likes me. Yeah. I think God likes me today. I don't think God liked me yesterday. I was kind of a mess. And to be able to look and to say, hey, you know what? I was a mess yesterday, and yet God is for me. Yeah. Yeah, and when we phrase it as a question, do I really believe God is for me? Of course, sometimes our our first instinct is to say, of course I believe God is for me because that's the Sunday school answer. The intellectual answer. That's what we've been trained to understand. And yet it is on us to, to really take, like, do I really believe it or do I say I believe Mm -hmm. it and still act like I have to earn God's love? And this is, and this is, uh, sorry to interrupt. This is, this is where I would contend that, that the discipleship of the church has been deficient. It's been anemic because we thought that the information would alone would affect the emotions, but it doesn't. There, mm-hmm. There's, you know, we can, like you said, believe something intellectually without it ever affecting us profoundly in our souls. Yeah. And when we do face those acute moments of suffering or those earth shattering departures from how we thought life was going to be you know that's why we see I think that's part of why we see some people come through it with a faith intact a faith strengthened and some people say you know what if this is how God's going to treat me I'm I'm out because we we never internalized that question of do I really believe God is for me and it because if we haven't then it's easy to think well, I'm suffering, so God must not be for me. Or, you know, so that means either God isn't good enough and loving enough, and so I don't want anything to do with God, or I'm not good enough, and so God doesn't want anything to do with me. And if that's the case, if either one of those are the case, then why am I even trying? Trying. Why am yeah. I even bothering? Yeah. I don't want to be a part of a faith that that says I'm not good enough or says that God isn't good enough. Yeah. And I think that's why Paul really drives this again, drives this in powerfully because he, he wants us to see that, that he, God didn't spare his own son. Mm 
gave him up for us all. I'm in verse 32 there. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? You know, God sent his son to, to die in our place, to, to, to restore us, to show us that, that we are beloved. Uh, why would he then like turn the spigot off afterwards and be like, you know what? Uh, I love you, but, but not that much. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's, let's tone it down a little bit. Yeah. And, and he doesn't do that. It's, it's a, it's a, just a flood of grace. It's an overwhelming amount of grace. Um, and the, 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 the thoughts again come from the splitter who want to split us from mm-hmm. the love of God. And, and, and here Paul is reminding us that, that we are beloved and nothing is going to separate us from that love. Yeah. And so we can, we can receive the suffering. Yeah. Cause so often, so often the church people of faith, whatever people who are still growing and who aren't perfect, I'm included in that, I'm com- there. communicate the opposite. You know, nothing can separate you from the love of God unless you get an abortion. Nothing can separate you from the love of God unless you commit suicide. Nothing can can separate you from the love of God unless, 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 and that, and that's, that's how we, that's how it, things are perceived that there are certain things that will separate you from the love of God. And this is one of my favorite passages because it reminds me that no, and uh, you know, as you said before, it, it, everything, the physical famine, danger, sword, the, the spatial height, depth, the temporal, the spiritual, there's nothing. And so in those moments when, when I'm feeling like, ugh, I have messed all of this up. I am not good enough. I have not done enough. I don't know enough. You know, this is where, where I come back to sometime in a fake it until I make it kind of situation, just repeating, like nothing can separate me. All right. I've got to, you know, I've got to remind myself of that until it is true in my heart again. Yeah. And, and, and being reminded that, if we're, you know, if we don't think we're enough on our own, well, remember that the Spirit is praying for you. And, oh, by the way, Jesus Christ himself is at the right hand of the Father interceding on our behalf. Yeah. Which is so hard to imagine and wrap our brains around and think through. But what an incredible promise it is. Yeah. You know, if you get to the end of your day and you don't know whether you can last another another day in your job or, or successfully parent that night or or deal with um, your your own parents or your in-laws or, you know, relatives or friends or whatever it is. And I, Jesus Christ is there interceding on your behalf. Mm-hmm. And, and what a profound thought i mean just and it goes it it shows that if god is for us who can be against us god is sending the son and the son is interceding on our behalf yeah yeah and it it sounds so simple and yet it it takes your breath away all at the same time Mm. that the creator of the universe the creator of everything we see the the creator who has made things so intricate that they're beyond our understanding also cares about me 
personally me like not me just me as one of many millions of humans but but me that I've been created in the image of God to show forth certain aspects of of who God is and in my creativity and my reasoning and in all these things that that God loves me enough to make this promise that nothing can separate me from that love Mm. because even even our best relationships on earth don't have that promise that i mean there are Mm. certain things that will end even the best marriage there are certain things that will end even the best parent-child relationship I, i mean and even if if none of those terrible choices and things happen at some point death is going to end that relationship right and we we talked about that last week too that every every relationship will end at some point and yet the it, we're promised right here that that is never the case with the love of god and in fact it's only going to grow it's only going to to develop and and come to fruition again in that revelation 21 vi- vision in that you know, well done, good and faithful servant in the mansion with many rooms that, you know, all these passages, um, you know, when, when we're anointed with oil in the presence of our enemies and all these passages where we, that we lift up during, during loss, during funerals, we talked a bit about the hymns of the faith, the more ancient hymns of the faith that do such a good job at allowing that to be, you'd mentioned it is well with my soul when mm. I picked out the third verse of, um, which mind you is 1800s. I wouldn't qualify it as ancient. <laughs> ancient, no. Um, a mighty fortress is 1529. So that's getting more. Okay, so that's a little better. Although the music didn't come till the 1800s, but um, O come, O come, Emmanuel. Yeah, which actually does have a, a, a an unbelievable lament in it. Yeah. Um, a, e- even I heard the bells on Christmas Day. The third verse is so beautiful. Like I, you know. It, it talks about how I cannot see it. I, I can, you know, it seemed like evil had won and then peeled the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead. God does not sleep. Like how beautiful that is to admit, like there are moments when we cannot see it, when, when things feel so heavy and so distorted that we can't possibly imagine a way out. But God is still in the midst of that. I'm sorry, I cut you off about the hymn that you had mentioned. I oh, think. no, no. It, it just, it, I mean, they all, they, they, and I think that's one of the reasons they have endured centuries yeah. is because they tap both into the truth of the gospel and into the reality of our, of our situation on earth. Um, you know, with it as well, though Satan should buffet, though trial should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and, and has shed his own blood for my soul and and you hear the the both the the hope and the reality Mm -hmm. held in tension but one held slightly more lightly incidentally uh mention this but the the story behind it as well is absolutely fantastic and i will link a video actually to the mormon tabernacle choir um who um uh uh couple Christmases ago they did um they did the story of it as well with um I can't think of the actor's name but he played Lord Grantham on Downton Abbey um and he narrates the whole thing and does a spectacular job of of explaining the story but you know it, he, 
Spafford was in the middle of the loss of his children. Um, and, and yet he could write this, you know, this was a song born of pain Mm -hmm. and yet the hope just like the Psalms. Yeah. Yet I will trust in him. Yeah. Even when everything else is falling apart, I will still trust. And and I think that's, and I think it's a, a good point to say that then, you know, one of the further applications then of this passage is that this is a passage of joy mm-hmm. and and not happiness. I want to say that. Yeah. That that you don't look at the passage like this and say, oh, you know, my dog died, but it's okay. Yeah. Um, it, you know, everything's happy. And like, n- no, it's, it's joy that, that it's not that, that this is good. It's that that Christ has noticed and has made it so that it can be redeemed. That, that like you said, there's a beginning, a middle, and an end. And the end is not nihilism. The end is not extinctionism. The end is not hopelessness, but it is hope beyond hope. It is the, a new beginning. It is the rebirth of all things. It is the world as it should have been. It is our faith-made sight. Yeah. And, and, and so there is deep abiding joy that says God is still on the throne. This really sucks, but God is on the throne. Yeah. Yeah. And sorry, I went a kind of Baptist on you there for a second. (laughs) No, I was just thinking it sounds so easy. And yet I think that's the hardest thing we're called to do as Christians is to remember in the midst of heartbreak and and when we think about the cross, you know, I wonder how how Jesus processed all of that, knowing knowing that he, I mean, he was taking on the sins of the world, every terrible thing, every every sin, every problem, how heavy that must have been, and yet clinging to the joy that was coming, knowing that all those things. We're going to be redeemed and that and that death wouldn't have the victory anymore that that in three days when the tomb was empty, those things no longer have power over us in the same way that they did three days ago. Um, and that's hard and it, it, to me, I mean that's definitely one of those lifelong learning things and and it seems as though some people some families are more prone to situations where they have to really learn it you know some some families some people just seem to struggle and suffer more than others at least from an outward appearance Mm -hmm. and it's hard to remember all those things it's hard to to find the peace in that. But again, I mean, doing the work of, of evaluating where you are and where you've come and where there's work to be done, I think gives us the tools. You know, if we can do that when we're not in the midst of acute suffering, then that gives us the tools to, to make it through when we are. Yeah. Yeah. If, if we can't hold happiness loosely, then we certainly cannot hold suffering loosely. Yeah. Um, it, it just doesn't happen that way. Yeah. So, um, wow. 
what a what a passage to end the program year on doesn't mean that the podcast or sermons stop uh it just means that we're going into a new phase yeah um exciting stuff coming yeah uh we're going to be the next uh 14 weeks we're going to be talking about the vision and mission of the church um the elders have uh, talked about we're still working through some specifics but we've really refocused ourselves i think in some in some very good ways yeah to set up for the the future and we'll be we'll be talking about those yeah um and then in the fall we'll be going on another round of the narrative lectionary and and uh, just lots of good things we i i have had fun doing this i have too i the, knowing that we are going to be doing this on tuesday or thursday or whenever we end up has has made me pay more attention um i mean we all know how easy it is to zone out zone out um during anything but worship yeah especially yeah. No, it's I quiet and um 30 minute monologue Come yeah on. <laughs> so i've really enjoyed and we hope that that as you're listening that that you're it, this is allowing you to engage in the sermon in new ways as you think huh hey they said the same thing i was thinking of maybe i'm on the right track or oh i'd never thought of that before and as always an open invitation to come tell us about those things i know in a couple of yep. our sunday school classes which are over for the the summer we did get to hear some some insight you know when you said this on the podcast i thought um and it's great because even though a lot of this work that we're talking about is internal in our own hearts with in our own relationship with christ we also do it in community yep. too and it's through talking about these things with other people it's about you know, it's talking about suffering with other people and joy and, you know, how do you make sense of this latest headline that is terrible and makes me question where in the world God is and, um, you know, asking other people who've been through difficult things, you know, like, oh, you didn't get into your first choice of college either. How did you make it through that? How did you, how did you stop wanting to puke every time you saw the, the flag from the college that you didn't get into? How, you know, how do you, how, if you know, how did you manage not being able to become a parent when you thought you could by, by talking about these things, by sharing our lives, then, then we help each other to grow. Yeah. Yep. It, it definitely takes, uh, engagement and, and, and community to do that. It's almost like God knew what he was doing when he gave us a community. Funny. Huh? huh. All right. Well, um, so we really hope that if you have found this helpful, that you would like, share, post to social media, post to, to Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, wherever you, you are found on social media. And if you have a question, if you have a comment, please feel free to, please do co uh, contact us. We like to hear feedback. We like to hear questions. If there's a, a direction that we can go that would help you uh, to um, understand your faith better. We'd appreciate that as well. Um, but uh, uh, this concludes this program year, uh, mm -hmm. and uh, we'll be back just next week. But uh, uh, until then, I'm Pastor James. And I'm Pastor Dina. And I hope we hope that you ha that this has helped you connect Sunday to the weekday. Have a great one. <laughs>